Hello, plant family. I want to thank you for joining us today for this worship gathering. I'm so glad that you're here. My name is Pastor Jeremy, and I'm glad to be here with you today. As we start, I want to ask you a question, and that question is this. How many of you enjoy swimming? I know I enjoy swimming. It's one of those natural rhythms of the summer to go swimming. Now, as a kid, I had the privilege of having a next-door neighbor that had this big swimming pool in his backyard. And over our early years, we would swim in that pool almost every afternoon of the summer. And for those early years when we were kids, we were swimming, our swimming was limited to the shallow end of the pool. But that shallow end was our world. Although it was the size of maybe a small living room, that, that pool, was, that shallow end was kind of like a huge ocean for us. We were masters of the shallow end. We would spend our days doing tricks and jumping in, diving underwater, searching for rings. We would play Marco Polo. We would see how long we could hold our breath. We would play with inflatables. We were unstoppable. You name it. We were deep sea divers we, of, the, of the great ocean. We were like Poseidon or, or Aquaman, and we fully embraced that, that role in the water, in the shallow end. The shallow end was our world. But from the shallow end, oftentimes, we would look beyond to the deep end. And there was this rope that was, that was the border between the shallow end and the deep end. And as we would look across, we would see that the deep end was about 10 times the size of the shallow end like this vast, mysterious ocean that was out there. So then one summer, I went away for several weeks for a family vacation. And when I got back to my friend's pool, I realized that all of my friends had moved on to the deep end while I was still left in the shallow end. Not only that, they had all learned to swim really well while I was still limited to the shallow end, this tiny pond. I was then facing this crisis. What do I do? I either had to stay here and reign as king of this little shallow end, or I had to humble myself and face my reality and learn to swim in the deep end with my peers. If I ventured out to the deep end, I realized very soon, if I go out into the unknown, that there was no going back to the way Things used to be for me in the shallow end. Our summer series this summer is called Can't Go Back. And for many of us, we have been dealing with the consequences and effects of COVID-19. We're coming to a realization that we can't go back to the way things used to be in our life. There were so many normal rhythms of the summer, like going to pool parties and swimming with friends and, and going away on vacation that are not there anymore. Even there are many mundane things in life that have been taken away from us, just like going to school or going to work or, or going, to sh going shopping in the normal way. And we have come to a place where we are faced with two options. First, we either don't embrace the new reality, or second, we choose to step back and reevaluate our lives in order to step forward into the unknown, into the deep end. This morning, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be taking a look 
at the life of the man that faced such a crisis moment or a kairos moment and had come to terms to and had to come to terms to what he really believed to be true about God and how he was to respond. He either had to stay where he was or he had to press forward into the unknown and take action. This is the story of Jonah. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Jonah chapter 1, and we're going to read this chapter together. Jonah chapter 1. Jonah runs from the Lord. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amita. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a violent wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as a culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for, they, for he had already told them that he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it, they groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to stop the storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it'll be calm again. I know that this, is a, this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to land, but the stormy, seas, the stormy sea was too violent for them. And they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. O oh Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for, for this man's sin. And don't hold us responsible for his death. O oh Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reason. Then the sailors picked up Jonah and threw him into the raging sea. And the storm stopped all at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power. And they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. So what do we have going on here? Just to give you a little bit of background, Jonah is a prophet of the northern kingdom of Israel. And we know that because he is referenced back in 2 Kings. And the Assyrian Empire of that time was this, was this large, dominant world power. They were a cruel and evil empire that committed acts of wickedness and violence and had long been an enemy to the Israelites. In addition to them, there were also other nations like the king of Syria that had been, that had been an enemy to them as well. 
And the city of Nineveh was their capital city. It was this mega city that was so large that it said later on that Jonah took three days to walk through it. There was 120,000 inhabitants in that city, a mega city in those ancient days. So God wanted to send a message to the Assyrian Empire, warning them that he was going to punish them because of their wickedness. And so he sent Jonah. But Jonah refused. And instead of going to Nineveh, he went 2,500 miles in the opposite direction to the port city of Tarshish. We think that Tarshish was, was a port city in Spain. And in those days, the, the entire world as they knew it was a Mediterranean world. So for Jonah to travel all the way to Tarshish was like literally traveling in the opposite direction to the other end of the world as they knew it. And then all of a sudden, a powerful storm came. And the crew who were experienced sailors, it says that they were terrified. And after this interrogation with Jonah, they realized that he was a culprit because he had disobeyed God and run away from him. Jonah told, told them to, to, to throw him into the sea, hoping that God would spare the crew. And eventually they threw him into the storm, and the storm suddenly stopped like that. And then the most amazing thing happens. God arranges for a fish, a great fish, to swallow up Jonah. And there's always debate. Was it a great fish or a whale? But we don't know. But, but we're going to call it that it was, say it was a great fish. And in that fish, he spent three days praying. So what's unique about the story of Jonah? Just like the story of Daniel in the lion's den, these are one, this is one of the favorite stories that we like to tell our kids because it has to do with an animal, with a, with a living creature. And sometimes we, we talk about how fun and fantastical it was of how the great fish saved Jonah. But in reality, the story is not the story about a big fish that makes a rescue. This is a story about two parties whose stories were interwoven together. First, the story of Jonah, who was a blatantly disobedient prophet. Remember, it was the job of the prophet to, to listen to God and to give God's message to the people, which he didn't do. Second, it's a story of the people of Nineveh who are blatantly evil and disobedient to God. God's desire was that the heart hearts of the people of Nineveh would change, but also for Jonah's heart to be transformed in the process. This story is a story of God's pursuit for a physical salvation of a people while also having a spiritual sanctification for Jonah. So where are we headed this morning? There are three things that we're going to learn. First, that God loves all people. That God loves all people. And because he loves all people, it brings us to our second point, that he wants to sanctify your heart to become like his, to also have that same desire to love his people. And third, after our hearts are sanctified, he wants us to partner in his work of his kingdom, to move the kingdom forward. So first, God loves all people. Let's skip and, and jump to Jonah chapter 3, and we'll see what happens. Jonah chapter 3. Jonah goes to Nineveh. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. 
This was after uh, he was rescued by the fish. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message. And the greatest, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat in a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds or flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw what they had done, and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. What's so unique about this this Old Testament story is that usually when we read about these Old Testament stories and these Old Testament prophets, they are warning their own people. They're warning their own people of Israel to turn themselves back to God, to stop doing evil, to change their ways so that they might be saved. But here we have God taking an an Old Testament prophet, sort of like making him a New Testament missionary and sending him hundreds of miles to a foreign land, to a foreign city, to give them a message of warning. Now, in the New Testament, this, this, world, this world, in the New Testament worldview, this is a normal and expected practice. We see this with the apostles. We see this kind of action with the early church and with Paul and even with the church now today, not so much in the Old Testament. But we have to remember that, that God was a God from the beginning who, who loves people and was on the pursuit of all people. We see it from the fall of mankind. When Adam and Eve sinned, it was God that went to go and seek and find them first. God went and sought out Abraham to be the father of a new people group through which he could redeem all people. And in many instances throughout Scripture, throughout the Old Testament, we see that there were people that that weren't originally of Hebrew background that were adopted and brought into the chosen people just like these sailors that decided to worship the true God. God's desire is for everyone to repent and to turn their hearts to him. How do we know that? 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Did the people of Nineveh respond to Jonah's message from God? An astounding yes. How amazing is that? This is the the biggest surprise that we've seen. It says that the people of Nineveh believed God's message from the greatest to the least. It said that they prayed earnestly to God, turning away from their evil ways. And when God had done this, and when God saw this, that they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. 
One of the core values of our denomination is this, that lost people matter to God. And he wants them to be found. Now, because God, because God loves all people, he wants his children and his followers to also have that same experience of love in their hearts for other people too. And what do I mean by that? That brings us to our next point. God wants to sanctify and transform your heart to become like his, to love others fully. You see, this story of Jonah wasn't just about God trying to save this people group, but it's also about God sanctifying Jonah. Sanctification basically means God transforming us into his likeness. If you are a follower of Jesus, we know that he's forgiven us and he's saved us, not just for the eternal, but because he wants to transform the condition, the broken condition of our hearts now, taking out all the bad and sinful nature and putting in his good new nature. He desires for his heart to become yours. And it is the work of the Holy Spirit that does this work. Now, even though Jonah was this prophet of God, unfortunately, he fully didn't grasp the love and forgiveness of God. He maintained this hatred toward, toward this, this, this group of people and refused to obey God the first time. But God wanted to deal with a deeper level issue of Jonah's heart. So let's see what happens. So we're going to go back to Jonah chapter 2 to see what happened to him in his time of prayer inside the belly of the fish. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. As I sank beneath the waves, the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O oh Lord, my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise and fulfill all my vows for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't even dream of imagining what this, 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 this nightmare of an experience was like for Jonah to be thrown overboard, uh, to, to, to face certain death, knowing that he had disobeyed God. But then all of a sudden being swallowed up by this great big fish and being in there for three days. In, 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 the, in the description, the, the sea and the depths of the sea was considered to be like Sheol, the land of, of the dead, where, where all the sea monsters and sea creatures lived. And this was the abyss of hell. This was the stuff of sci-fi horror movies. 
But Jonah had this moment of extreme crisis where he went from repenting to believing. First, it said that, uh, that he recognized throughout this experience, he recognized that he was wrong and that he had disobeyed God and that God had saved him. He says, but you, O Lord, my God, snatched me from, my, from the jaws of death. Next, he realized and he remembered who God was, that his God, among all the other idols and all the other gods that were out there, his God was a true living God, the one who saves, the one who extends mercy and forgiveness. It says, as my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And then finally, he concludes by repenting and believing who God was and making a commitment to fulfill his vow to him. He said, I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise and I will fulfill all my vows for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. You see, Jonah had this, this moment, this Kairos moment, experiencing God's forgiveness and his mercy for his own life. He observed, he, he reflected, he repented, and then he believed. And he finally came to a place where he surrendered his will. And it was not until when that happened that God allowed the fish to spit him out. And he gave him this, his commission again. And then Jonah obeyed and, and he went out and he delivered this message and the people obeyed. <clears throat> but now here's the kicker. In reality and in the real world, unfortunately, all stories don't end and don't go the way that, that we hoped for and the way that we imagined. Now, based on Jonah's personal experience of, of being saved, uh, I, I'd like to say that he was so changed and so transformed in his heart that he enthusiastically went out to go preach to the people of Nineveh. I would like to say that his heart was so sanctified and so changed that, that, that his heart was so deep into, into his message I would like to say that Jonah was, was so happy and moved to see the people of Nineveh repenting and turning their lives around from evil and violence. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case. And we catch a glimpse of this in chapter 4. So after Jonah realizes that, that, that God changes his mind and is not going to destroy the, the people, it says this, Jonah's anger against the Lord's mercy. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. That's straight from Psalm 145. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. The Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry about this? Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under and waited to see what would happen to the city. And the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon it spread, spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort. And Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. 
The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Then the Lord said, You feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? You see, Jonah was so upset and so angry that God decided to extend mercy to the people of Nineveh for repenting. You think after experiencing mercy himself, he would desire mercy for them. But wow, talk about being a hypocrite. God asked Jonah if it was right for him to be angry the first time. And what Jonah did is is he went outside the city to see what would happen, to see if it would be destroyed. He was still convinced that the city needed to be destroyed. And then we have this little snippet in there of of God having arranged for this leafy plant to grow and and provide shade for for Jonah. And then later uh, he sends a worm and the worm comes and kills the plant. And then Jonah is under the the battered down by the hot sun and the scorching sun. And, And God asks Jonah again if it was right for him to be angry. You see, Jonah went from, from the depths and the coldness and the, and the wetness of the sea to being under the dry, hot, scorching sun. And in both cases and in both extremes, God saved him and God took care of his needs. Jonah felt sorry for the plant that had died, but sadly, he did not get fully what God was trying to do in his heart. Mercy was okay for him to receive, but not for him to extend to others. And that brings us to our last point. The reason why God wants us to be be sanctified and he wants our hearts to be so fully transformed with his love for other people is because of this. God wants to partner with you in moving his kingdom forward. Whatever happened to my story with the pool as a child, whatever happened to that experience as a kid, I realized very quickly that that I either had to choose to stay in the shallow end or learn how to swim in the deep end. And that summer, I had decided to take the plunge into the deep and learn how to swim in the deep end. And I knew once I did that, There was no going back. But what I discovered was something totally new and amazing and surprising. Learning to swim in the deep end was this this whole new dimension that I did not know that it even existed previously. Learning to swim in the deep end was so much more fun. We played more games. We were able to dive off diving boards and, and learn all these great skills that enabled me to go snorkeling different places in the actual ocean and, and see all kinds of great fish in different colors and, and have these great experiences. My joy, my world, my experiences had just expanded infinitely because I had decided that I couldn't go back, but I had to step forward into the deep. At the end of the, the book of Jonah, it said that, that, that God says, not to mention 
Should I feel sorry? Shouldn't I feel sorry for just a great, for a great city, for such a great city? You see, God wanted Jonah to partner in this mission. And although Jonah carried out the tasks that God had asked him reluctantly, he missed out on the deeper level work that God was trying to do in his heart. He missed out on the amazing experiences that might have laid before him. And after Jonah was given a second chance, he should have been so filled with joy and so grateful for God's grace that he should have been thrilled about taking this mission to the people of Nineveh. And instead of being Jonah the prophet, he could have been Jonah the evangelist, going into the city, telling about the story about how God had saved him, telling about the story that I know this sounds crazy, but this God, my God, he, he, he wants to restore you. He wants to extend mercy and forgiveness, and he does miracles. When the people of Nineveh repented, instead of going out of the city and watching the destruction, hoping for destruction to happen, he should have been going into the city and discipling the people. He should have been shepherding the people. He should have been talking to the king. He should have been teaching the people the ways of this God of Israel and of his love for them. I believe Jonah should have been like what, what Philip was to the Ethiopian eunuch. What a missed opportunity to partner with God. The question I have for you today is, does your experience of God's grace and God's salvation bring you empathy for those who are far from him? When you have experienced God's grace in your life, there is no going back, but a whole new world opens up for you to step into. Have you fully taken the plunge? Have you fully stepped into it, allowing God to sanctify your heart to partner in the work of his kingdom? There are so many people that I know, and there's so many people that I know just in our church whose hearts have been so transformed and sanctified by the love of God that they have partnered with God to bring this good news and this hope to others. There's a young, young man, there's a man that I know that, that's in our church that whose heart has been so transformed and so sanctified and so changed by God that he's partnered with God in, in the work of going into prisons and doing prison ministry and meeting with people that are the least of these and those who need a second chance. There are people in our church and people that we know that whose hearts have been so transformed by God and, and, and so sanctified that, that they have desired, decided to partner with God in, in full-time ministry, either locally or globally. And there are people that, whose hearts have been so transformed by God that they, they partner with him, seeking to be in Christ in the midst of their local workplace, their local neighborhood, their local schools, and their local communities. There are so many stories, so many miracles, so many amazing testimonies of ordinary people whose hearts have been sanctified, who have decided to partner with God and bring Christ's light into places of darkness and places of desperate need. And they realized that once they were there, there was no going back. Once they had taken a plunge into the deep, they've realized that this is a life that God had called them to. So as we close, I just want to recap. God loves all people. 
And he loves all people. God wants to sanctify and transform your hearts so that you, you can also experience this, this love that he has for others. And the reason he wants to change your heart is because he wants to partner with you in moving the kingdom forward and bringing his good news to those who need it. John chapter 3, verse 16 famously says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. As we close, I just want you to reflect on these questions together. God loves all people. God loves all people even if you don't. Who are the people in your life that you are struggling to love? Are they your enemies? Are they your coworkers? Are they your neighbors? Are they your family members? Are there certain ethnic groups or, or racial groups that you have grown up to have a bias against? Are there certain groups of people that you have seen as insignificant? See, God's heart breaks for everyone, and we are all his children together. God wants to sanctify and transform your heart to become like his Ask yourself the question, what is preventing you or, or blocking you from fully embracing God's love for others? Is there hatred? Is there unforgiveness? Is there woundedness? Is, is there selfishness that's there? Do you remember the time that he has saved you and how much joy that brought to your life? Allow the Holy Spirit to enter in and to sanctify you and reveal areas of your life and areas of your heart that are not yet aligned with his. And lastly, God doesn't want to do it alone. He wants to partner with you in moving the kingdom forward. You know, the real joy of following Jesus is, is being part of his work, not reluctantly, but wholeheartedly. You see, God gave Jonah this commission to go to Nineveh, but he gives you and I this great commission to go locally and globally. The real joy is being empowered with a sanctified heart to declare God's love and forgiveness to others. Now that is good news. Jesus even said that, that you will do even more than what he did, preaching, healing, moving the kingdom forward. And he empowers you to do what he did on earth. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be moving to a song of response. And as we sing this song, I just want you to, to process some of these things. I want, to pro, I want you to process what's going on in your heart. Are you allowing God to, to sanctify your heart, to, to align yourselves to, to what his heart is truly like? I want to challenge you to, 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 to take the plunge today, to allow your hearts to be transformed by him so that you are ready to partner in his work. So let's pray and let's worship together. Let's remember that this, that he is a God that wants to bless us and that wants to bless his people. Let's worship together. I want to thank you for praying with us. I want to thank you for worshiping with us. And I want to inspire you and I want to encourage you, plant church today. As you go out, remember that God is a God that loves. And he wants your hearts to be transformed 
Open up your hearts. Be open. Be vulnerable. Allow him to transform you and change you so that you could fully engage in the work and partner in the work that he has called you to do. Because that is where the real excitement and the real adventure begins. Let's take the plunge together.